Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. A longtime Jungian analyst probes the connection between the exploration of the psyche and the journey of the soul with research into UFOs and cosmic visitors. An unusual search or a natural connection that points the way towards our personal and collective expansion. Stay tuned for what I'm sure will be a provocative conversation with my guest today, Dr. Bernice Hill. And welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head there to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal innovator's style so that you can open your creative flow and make everything in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more in less time while enjoying every moment. Bernice H. Hill, PhD, a Jungian analyst in private practice in Boulder, Colorado for over 35 years, is a member of the International Association for Analytic Psychology in Zurich, and until retirement, a senior training analyst for the C.G. Young Institute of Colorado. She was drawn to the work of Carl Jung because of his recognition of the unfolding of the soul's journey to a vision of its greater destiny. So you can see why I'm particularly excited about um, welcoming Bernice Hill to the show today, to Wisdom Talk Radio. And uh, and I I know we're going to have a wonderful conversation. Welcome, Bernice. Thank you, Laurie. Lovely to be here. (laughs) I also wanted to add, because I forgot to add this, that you are a founding member of Boulder Exo a public forum for discussion of cosmic visitors. And she is the author of the book, Cosmic Human, Cosmic Intent. So Bernice, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask, but let's just start with a kind of a basic of how did you, how did this book come into being? Because it really does travel quite a long ways. I was surprised as I was reading it. (laughs) Well, it was uh, a year ago um, in the summer, I was taking my morning walk and I was just thinking about our society and all the disruptions that were here, you know, that uh, there's so much polarization going on Mm -hmm. and there's so much uh, information that's not correct. Mm -hmm. And it's this disinformation is carried with such a note of uh, emotion Mm -hmm. with it. And I was also thinking, well, you know, our institutions are pretty wobbly as well. Certainly the political situation has been fraught for years. Law and order looks a little disordered at this point in time. A lot of the religious institutions are sort of fading away. And then, of course, through the year, we've also had the the, uh, huge events of the pandemic. So all those things I was thinking was throwing us back on our psyche, you know, really uh, our own inner resources. Mm. And Carl Jung wrote way back in 1933, a book called Modern Man in Search of a Soul. And what he was saying is he was concerned about Western culture at that time because he could see how materialistic it was becoming Mm -hmm. and it was losing touch fundamentally with its soul. (laughs) 
So I've often thought of um, David White's poem. Um, it's always sort of stuck in my mind. Um, I'm not interested in whether you believe in gods or God. What I want to know is whether you belong or whether you feel abandoned. And it seemed to me that many people in the culture are increasingly feeling abandoned about that. So it was partly the culture. It was partly looking at my own purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking at my bookshelf, and, and I had three clusters of main books that I was interested in. The Psyche, Reincarnation, and ET's UFOs. Wow. So I'm particularly interested in reincarnation. Since I'm 87, I want to know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so that was of interest. And I had known a number of people over 20 or 30 years involved in the UFO community. And so I was wondering, well, how did all those fit together? Mm -hmm. And what had occurred to me, how they fitted together, was there was a doctor in Canada in the late 1800s, Dr. Richard Buck. Very, He was well known. He was head of the, the Medical Association of Physio Physical, Physical Psychological Association in both Canada and the United States at the time. Uh, and he, um, I think it was in the late 1890s, he had been having supper with a group of friends and talking about things he really enjoyed. And he was driving his horse and buggy home through the woods. And all of a sudden, he had a shift in his own perceptual state. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, everything was connected. He could see and understand so much more than he had before. And he was just filled with this overwhelming sense of uh, love and well-being. And he really knew, he really understood at some instant fundamental moment that uh, not only were all we connected, there was a fundamental order in the universe. Mm -hmm. And that this fundamental order included the fact that he was eternal, that there was a core within himself that was mm -hmm. eternal. Mm -hmm. uh, and he called this experience cosmic consciousness. So that was sort of floating in my mind. And then I had read about uh, uh, Edgar, Wills, Edgar uh, Mitchell coming back from the moon journey. Mm -hmm. I knew that he also had had that similar sort of shift. And then Jane Goodall talks about coming back from a very strenuous journey in America, talking and coming back to her home in South Africa and being amongst the creatures that she loved there. And she, too, reported such a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, so the notion of cosmic consciousness was there. Um, and then and then the title sort of landed, I don't know from where, uh, you know, cosmic human, cosmic intent. And so people were asking me, well, Bernice, what is it that you're writing? And I would tell them, they would say, well, that's pretty ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't that pretty inflated? And I thought, well, it is. But I really wondered how I would connect these different areas that I was mm -hmm. interested in. Mm -hmm. But what I had um, to help me was the work of Carl Jung, uh, the Swiss psycho psychiatrist, and of course the Asia's wisdom tradition, which I had, you never know enough about the Asia's wisdom mm -hmm, tradition, mm -hmm. but I had studied it for a number of years. And both of those approaches to the psyche are what they call emergent processes. They are really interested in how the psyche moves towards a goal, how it awakens that thing. And the awakening is really sponsored by this eternal essence uh, that the cosmic consciousness points to mm. and within us and how it unfolds. So it was those factors. It was the context of the times. Uh, it was my own particular interest. And it was those pathways that uh, I called upon for help. 
that's how the book came into being. Wow. Wow. And, and I, do you know, well, in the, in the English language, um, Western culture, uh, side of things, was he the first person that came up with that phrase cosmic consciousness? I'm not sure about that. I rather doubt it. Mm-hmm. I rather think it's been in the collective unconscious. Yes. Always. Yes. Always. He just happened to turn the dial so his frequency. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, uh, and it's just so similar to other people's experience. It's yeah. our birthright. You know, it's there. It is our birthright. And, and so much of the more recent research from the quantum physics side of the house has substantiated that. Right. That's so right. we're not talking about something that is just you know, just woo woo that somebody's going to say, oh, well, that's so far out there that has no basis in anything, quote unquote, scientific. And the times are beckoning in in more and more. Mm -hmm. We'll hear Mm -hmm. more and more about that. That's a lovely way to put it. Mm -hmm. So in this exploration, how does creativity and co-creativity become involved? Well, they're essential to these different emergent pathways, the Jungian approach and uh, the ageless wisdom approach. And if, and if I start with the Jungian approach, I could just mention the power of the deeper psyche, the self, the, uh, what Jung called the self. Uh, in my own experience, <clears throat> it started when um, I had been working at the medical school in New Jersey for a number of years, mm-hmm. when I started having uh, a, a dream that said, Bernice, you are on the wrong road. And I thought, well, how can I be on the wrong road? You know, I have this lovely house in Princeton, it's a lovely place to live, big backyard full of trees. I had a good job. I was head of consultation there in, in the mental health center. And I had good backup. I had good money. But I kept having the dream I was on the wrong road. And so someone said to me, well, Bernice, you should really go and talk to a Jungian analyst about that, <laughs> you know, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, a few many years later, actually, I thought, well, I'd like to become a Jungian analyst. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to have so many hours of training. Uh, and so I set the appointment to go. Uh, there's a big national interview that you go to, and and you're interviewed by three committees of three national Jungian analysts and then a larger <laughs> committee of interviews. And so that was on a Friday afternoon. Um, but Thursday night, the night before, I'd had a dream in which um, Christ was in my backyard pointing to writing on a small wall. And the writing said, uh, beneath the bright and starry sky, lay me down and let me die. Like the hunter home from the, from, from the sailor home from the sea, the hunter home from the woods. Mm-hmm. And so he seemed to be frustrated with my attitudes about death. Mm-hmm. So the Friday morning, I thought I better drop in and see a client before I go off to my meeting because I know that he was not very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did that. And um, he had just said goodbye to his hospice nurse. And I was talking to he and his wife. And he took uh, a dizzy spell and we rushed to support him. And he breathed quite heavily and he died. Mm-hmm. So then I went into my Jungian Institute uh, meetings in the afternoon. And they asked me... Uh, well, how's your day been so far? And uh, did you have any dreams last night? <laughs> so that was, the, that was the direct introduction to the self and how it guides us and creates things that we don't intend to happen. Uh, but they non- nonetheless, if we look back over our life, we can see how we have been bumped into very profound and different ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it started with that. 
then I'd like to talk a little bit, if I could, about the the, the Jungian way and the uh, and the uh, Aegis Wisdom way, if I could, to talk about. Absolutely, sure. Go ahead. Because they are your your own interest of um, creativity and co-creative are so central to them. Mm-hmm. It's the heart of it. In fact, um, Jung once said he said he often wondered who's driving the wagon. You know, mm-hmm. is it exactly. Self or is it something deeper and inside? Yeah. And I know that you, like myself, anybody that's worked as a therapist, knows how challenging life is. Mm-hmm. It's extremely challenging with the, uh, you know, the crises that are come upon us now and with the uh, losses that are natural to life and the anxieties that arise. Very challenging. And so I think that Jung had four ideas that were particularly related to creativity. Um, this whole sense of having complexes, you know, we say mm-hmm. so-and-so has an inferiority complex or superiority complex, um, or um, that something has gotten stirred up in their emotional realm mm-hmm. where they're either very angry or very afraid, and, and they bring themselves into therapy to explore. And Jung would say that is the most propitious moment because it's at that time if you take the time to go down into what he would call the deep realms of the mothers, the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do the descent, you go into the descent journey and really explore. It is the fount of, of tremendous creativity in your life, working with that complex. Yeah. And he also talked a lot about the tension of opposites because it's natural in our psyche to have that. Uh, like our conscious and our unconscious are always playing off against mm-hmm. each other. I remember I had a client one time and, uh, she was a woman who's a middle-aged woman, and her husband had uh, left her for a younger woman. And so when she came in, she was very depressed, um, and uh, we worked for a while. And, and eventually she shared a dream. She said, uh, I'm looking out of my, uh, my window, and I see everybody going by in their normal life, but my life does not feel normal. Um, but if I look in the bushes across the street, I see a wolf. So that led to a lot of other discussions about that. And then she said, in a few months' time, she said, I had another dream. And this dream was, I've moved to a new town. And I'm walking with my dog, but the dog is a German shepherd. Mm -hmm. So that shows the natural creativity within the psyche for integration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's certainly a progression there. Absolutely. But it takes time, for sure. It takes time. Yeah. And then uh, Jung also talked, of course, about the shadow and looked at his own shadow a lot. Um, and he said he realized, you know, that he could essentially be uh, a, a much a, an offender in life as anybody else. He could be a criminal. How was he to accept that and how much compassion it would actually take yeah. to eventually accept our own shadow, all those things we don't want to admit to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So... In a way, I think what Jung really did is he offered a basic uh, paradigm for our ego and personality to talk more and more to the deeper self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the more that one was able to talk to that wise one within, the more one was able to uh, get some answers. That, you know, there's a, a famous little exercise that I've often done with clients, which is you're walking through a woods. Uh, there's a, a pathway and there's a bench and there's a very, very old person there. The old person has no more agendas for this life. Uh, 
but you sit and you talk to them and you find that you're asking him the one question that's most on your mind. And then you imagine what that old person would respond to that. So that, that sort of thing, the Jungian process would, mm-hmm. would bring mm-hmm. out. And then the ageless wisdom tradition, um, again, very profound. Um, the ageless wisdom, we don't know exactly where it came from, but the books are thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. And it was Helen Blavatsky that uh, eventually was in, in the East and got training mm-hmm. from different masters and ascended masters. Uh, and Alice Bailey in recent years with theosophy brought that forward a lot. Um, and what some of the basic ideas were there that there is actually one divine life underneath everything that's expressed in the universe and that life is boundless and omnipotent and omnipresent if we can get in touch with it. And um, that, uh, that intelligence, that basic loving intelligence originated and maintains the order of the universe um, and it's alive and it's with us now and it flows through us all the time. Yeah. And uh, there are many different levels that are uh, that come forth from that basic intelligence, and many different life forms in all those different levels, mm-hmm. right down to our very materialized form, uh, which is a place of great challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, it's through the uh, actual dealing with opposites that we actually grow, because that's how the in, that's how the deeper intuition of our divine self can come through and solve more problems. And they talked a lot too about the evolution of of time, not only through our own uh, particular lifetime now, but the evolution of our soul through many lifetimes. Uh, And that in fact, mankind was on a long journey to make Earth a sacred planet. Um, So that, those were the basic ideas there, and they mm-hmm. took me deep into the study of reincarnation. And of course, when you're my age, <laughs> so well, well, I'm I'm fascinated with all that because it it lines up so so ideally in a way with what I know to be true, what I've experienced to be true, and the way of connecting with that that greater intelligence um, that field of potentiality, uh, the cosmic intelligence, whatever you want to call it. I, I've been more recently speaking about it in terms of creative intelligence, right. simply because it is that aspect that we can connect with that allows us to bring through the new ideas, right. the solutions to problems, the right. the new directions for ourselves to go in, as well as for our, our culture. Right. So it's it's a very um, dynamic relationship. That's and very important at this time. So and important. very important. Yes, exactly. Right. So you mentioned something in your book about um, a point that there's a point where the local field merges with the universal field. Can you share something about the your sense of the importance of that, where the where that merging happens? Well, I think we experience it in ourselves. You know, if, if we're working on a problem and we're working on it in the ego personality level, mm-hmm. we're often not getting very far with it. Mm-hmm. But if we can go into deep relaxation and let those boundaries go and expand into the more and more finer um, mystical realms that are around us all the time. Uh, and 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 ask for help from those. Mm-hmm. We can undergo a shift so that we are then 
orienting more from what I would call the self, whether it's mm-hmm. the soul self or whether it expands into the bigger self, which is a greater consciousness. Yeah. So we're all capable of doing that shift. That's We have that power. Yeah. We just yeah. have to be aware of the fact that we do have that power and then the willingness to allow ourselves to, to soften into that, right. to expand into that. Right. I think as we open to the notion that we do come back, that our soul has more than one journey. Hmm. I think um, I know that we're in a time now where things can open remarkably. Um, But I think that um, the culture itself now is at a point where um, um, the, the writers in the ancient wisdom tradition would say that we are at a point of opening to the first initiation, mm-hmm. there are many initiations in their framework, mm-hmm. and about three of them would occur while we're in our body. And and the uh, Western world in particular is at a point where it wants to open to this first initiation that's sort of there, mm-hmm. potentially there. And when we open to that, we begin to make a shift much more into our heart. Mm-hmm. And I think through the dreadful times that we're going and may yet go through, uh, it's the shift into the heart that will be the most important part of this opening to the first initiation yeah and and the relationship between those opposites the 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 fact that everything is is accelerating in an incredible way and that those those polarizations are happening much more acutely right now right it seems to be what's potentially bringing about that um that ability to move into that initiation. Yes, it's it's like the vessel is being heated up. Yeah, yeah. And and there will be more and more chance that uh, we realize that the true answers we need now do not come from our ego personality state. They need to come from the very work that you're doing is how to create from that deeper self, Mm -hmm. the self that is both the the, uh, uh, soul that's come here to journey as Mm -hmm. well as the eternal self that lies within us, which mm-hmm. I suspect that you have had experiences with. Yeah, I, I have. I have you. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. I I, um, I had studied Jungian psychology years and years ago. I had even taught it. And then I only mean not, not anything like what you have done, but I've taught about it. I'll say that in a, you know, a survey class actually at Naropa Institute in your backyard um, in their, in their transpersonal psychology program. Um, And that was also a long time ago, but reading your book, it's like I was reintroduced to all of that again. It's like it, it, it brought that all back within me to say, oh yes, this is all, this has a place and this has a way to bring this together. And um, and so then, then you've moved into, in your book, kind of the next piece of all of this, and you started writing about, you were writing about cosmic visitors. Um, can you explain a little more about why this is such an important influence, and potentially right now, uh, in our potential for making this a sacred planet? Um. That's a big question, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, first of all, they've been here for a very long time, probably longer than we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And secondly, uh, because many of them, and many of them getting in touch with us, 
uh, are uh, in service to a higher self. Mm -hmm. That's very important. And um, they are going to confront us with our own shadow. Uh, and there's enough people that have been now having experiences in this that uh, more and more information is going to come forward. Um, for example, um, the, uh, there's a, a magazine called The Free. Actually, it's a, uh, it's, it's a publishing body. <clears throat> um, let's see, it was, uh, I think, Edgar um, Mitchell, mm -hmm. <clears throat> who started that organization that eventually spun off uh, and has the free magazine or the free uh, study. Mm -hmm. The free study <clears throat> covered over 3,200 people around the world about whether they had actually had uh, extraterrestrial experience. Mm -hmm. And many of them had had this. And one of the things that they said was how it moved them profoundly to mm -hmm. have this and how it moved them profoundly to change how they were living today, uh, mm -hmm. their life. <clears throat> that they became more and more concerned with spiritual matters in this big study, mm -hmm. um, that they really were convinced that life went on beyond this particular existence, um, that they had much more empathy to help others, mm -hmm. and their ego state took more of a background to it. Um, and they were less interested in organized religion, but they're more interested in finding the deeper religion within themselves. Mm -hmm. And they had less fear of death because they had more sense of a continuity. Yeah. Um, they were concerned less things. With, they were much less concerned with the material things of life. Mm -hmm. um, and they had a great appreciation of nature and our communion with nature. And so they really wondered uh, why we were not taking much better care of our earth. Mm -hmm. um, so um, they were moving more and more into what has been called this first initiation process. Mm -hmm. And um, I think also uh, I've had a number of experiences both in my practice and in uh, and known known as friends now for a number of years. Um, and they are profound people. They have been changed by these experiences with mm -hmm. cosmic visitors. Um, they live a lot in the present now. They're very mm -hmm. present type of thing. Um, and they're uh, very aware of the multidimensional realities so that mm -hmm. they can back away a lot from the ego state. Uh, they're very concerned with their inner purpose and their inner purpose is to make us more aware of this profound area mm -hmm. that we haven't, we're just on the verge of opening up to. And they have a great sense of responsibility. Uh, they really try to work with their consciousness in the immediate moment and uh, see how they can respond or not respond mm -hmm. to help the situation move along. So um, I would say that um, just as, as we didn't create ourselves, we are in this period of time of tremendous co-creativity. Yes. And we're being helped by those that come from another a larger realm of the cosmos, the multi-dimensional mm -hmm. realm. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful way to to put that, Bernice, and and um, and I so appreciate the way that you are bringing forward those those different paths, really, to the same thing. You know, the the, the Jungian journey of the psyche and the journey of the self, really, and um, you know the ancient ancient wisdom traditions that I remember studying 
you know, for a very long time. Um, and then it, the, the aspect of cosmic visitors and other dimensional beings that are, are here to assist us, are here to bring us to that very same kind of point. Um, and, and I'm not sure if this is, is it or not. You spoke about the age of synthesis. Is that part of what you're uh, seeing this journeying towards? Absolutely. Well, again, that comes out of the ageless wisdom tradition that um, there comes a time when the earth <coughs> will recognize more and more that it needs to become a sacred planet. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not there now. The, uh, the cosmic visitors talk a lot about they have different organizations in the multidimensional realms that they live in. Um, and they have federations, and the purpose of the federations is to help their brother. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they 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 are in service in different ways and levels. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to be at the level of a sacred planet before entry is possible for there. But we are in the process of maturing in that way, and with this first initiation that the that the human race is potentially facing, uh, it's it's a it's an initiation which in which the heart will open, and as the heart opens, we begin to realize that the key is in every problem is to find the imbalance, the imbalance in the psyche that exists in that particular problem, um, and the imbalance in relationship needs to be addressed in some way, so that will help. That, that will be part of the substance as this first initiation comes about. And of course, that is helping us on our journey to become more of a sacred planet. And when we are a sacred planet, then we will be more admitted, apparently, to these larger uh, cosmic organizations that are here help here to serve. They're mm -hmm. essential. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's to serve others is the, is the best goal for them. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, if we, as we find that imbalance within us, within our culture, within our planet, what is it that, how is it that we need to, to move forward with that? What's the next step? Uh, well, to recognize the humanity in the other, I think. Primarily. Uh, the end of separation. The, to, to, to realize that, that's right. <clears throat> I was looking, beginning to look at uh, some of the, what was on uh, TV this morning with the, uh, Congress interviewing for the uh, Supreme Court, mm -hmm. and and the tone of it is so adversarial, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so it's certainly not in that. And, and where were the days where we could communicate back and forth and listen with respect to the other side and really recognize that what we're really trying to move towards is a wholeness, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the wholeness has to do with the symbol of yin and yang. If you know that the, mm -hmm. the white has a black circle, the, the the black has a white circle. How do we recognize uh, in the other, or uh, where we can come together and how we can yeah. negotiate? Yeah. So that is what we seem to have lost through this time of. Uh, profound disruption mm -hmm. yeah. a teacher of mine used to say no i am god is here and god is there meaning yeah. you know i i see the reflection of god in yes. of my god my yeah. own god self in you to work in the field but the whole field in, includes us both mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. absolutely good. and and you also talked about um how we're being stimulated right now by cosmic energies, that that is something, well, first of all, that that is something that happens. And I know that to be true. Um, and, and that 
it, it's almost like it's being ramped up now. Right. Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, and I think it's a challenge for everybody is how do they, how do they abide in the ramping up energy for sure. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think that what's essential there is that when it has some type of spiritual practice where one can go back mm -hmm. and sort of let the, the tension within your body fall away yeah. and consult that, um, that wise person within um, to, to do that. Yeah. Um, I have an exercise I used to, when I was, before I was retired, ask people to do, which is imagine that um, that you are uh, walking and there is an old wise person there. And you ask the old wise person uh, the, the most important question that is on your mind at the moment. Mm -hmm. And then you listen, you spend a time listening, mm -hmm. wisdom in that old wise person that can bring forth and, uh, and shift you out of your ego state into this wider state. Mm -hmm. And then that's the state maybe one should take in to a group or a meeting that is contentious. <laughs> and be that is such good, good uh, advice. <laughs> that forward. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cause it, that, you know, when we're willing to connect in right. and, uh, with that, with that, that divinity within us, with the, that, um, that inner compass within us, then we're, we're, we're moving about the world in a different state absolutely. and with a different connectivity, with a different awareness. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Bernice, you have, you have given us so much to, uh, to be with, and it feels like, you know, so many gifts. Um, is there any last words that you would want to um, offer to our listeners? Well, I would say um, be of good faith, be of good heart. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no question that we're going to go through cycles and disruptions, and um, uh, there's no question that we're, we're going to question our own faith at times because we're going to be shaken. Uh, but I would say have faith in the fact that we have an eternal core in us, and uh, we're here many times. And we're here gathering many different experiences. And it's our birthright to go through this process mm -hmm. and become closer and closer to what I call the good, the true, and the beautiful. We've lived through approximations of that. But how do we have a practice that takes us to the place where we feel we're on the right path and that we're joining with others, particularly that we have groups that are of like mind and like heart, mm -hmm. um, and that we can become cosmic citizens uh, willing to go out into a larger cosmos. I have um, six grandchildren between the ages of 18 and 28. Mm -hmm. And I want for them to hear the message that be of good heart. Yes. And learn yes. to meditate and find your deeper core and have faith in the deeper wise messages that come from that. That would be yeah. the message. And that's a beautiful message and, and one that I wholeheartedly embrace and uh, I and I thank you so much for making time for for us today how can people um get your book cosmic human human cosmic intent well it's in amazon in uh in the kindle and the printed book um okay yeah it's also mentioned on my uh web page bernice hill Jungian analyst uh and um i'm also on uh, facebook in those Great. Ways. Okay. And so I will put your, um, your website in their show notes, um, bernicehill.com right. so that people can find you there too. Right. Again, I, my, my uh, deepest, um, 
appreciation, Bernice, for what you have offered to us today. Thank you, Laurie, and for what you give, which is abundant. Thank you. And thank you to our listening audience for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Remember, you can find us at your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you have enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review because that helps more people to access the wisdom and to transform the world. For more about fast-tracking your ideas to creation and revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacainstitute.com. That's B-A-C-A, institute.com. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.